Hello there. It's the BWI Daily Edition. I'm your host, Thomas Frank Carr. Um, if you clicked on this video, you saw the title, so you know what we're going to be talking about. Penn State, Maryland, the recap of the 30 to nothing shutout. The first one of the year for the Nittany Lions. We're talking about that and all the other storylines that came out of it. So, yes, we'll be talking about Drew Aller, James Franklin, Sean Clifford, and all that stuff of the BWI Daily Edition. That is coming up now. Now, it's Monday on the BWI Daily Edition. Normally, we are live. Normally, either myself and Sean Fitz and Nate Bauer or one combination of that are with you live on YouTube. But it is that time of year. I have broken out the sweaters. This is my festive holiday sweater because I, uh, unfortunately, turns out I'm not very fun and full of holiday spirits. I'm going to have to get some more festive clothing for the season but that also means basketball is here nate has to cover basketball tonight Fitz is still a little under the weather uh so we're recording the show today so if you're here and you're normally expecting interaction conversation taking your questions we're still going to effort to do that this week but it's not going to be tonight so i apologize for that but you get to see the bwi live tape to air on youtube and nate i always appreciate your time i know it's a very busy day pulling double duty with football and basketball so thanks for doing the show today appreciate it of course i'm thrilled to be here there's so much to talk about let's get into it <laughs> i'm going to correct the mistake i made from the post game show which was starting on a negative after a 30 to nothing blowout yeah and i'm just nate i'm not gonna do it I, I don't care. Like, I care that this show is successful, and I care that we are servicing the fans and giving them what they want. I'm not talking about Drew Aller to start the show. We're going to talk about the defense because they kicked another team's butt, and they yeah. deserve a little bit of love as we then fret over the offense later. So let's start with yeah, the yeah. defense. Let's let's yeah. go there first, and let's talk. What was – what? What of the things did you take away yeah. from the game against Maryland? Because I don't know that they were many, but they were a lot of positives. Yeah, I thought that I thought that Penn State executed first down so well defensively that Maryland never had a chance. That that's it. Like it, it you know, it's one of those things where it's like, oh, uh, you, you know, by by the time you realize that it's checkmate, it's way too late. Like that was, that was checkmate on really from the beginning of the game is that Penn state yeah. found itself uh, just absolutely snuffing. It didn't matter what Maryland was trying to do. Right. I mean, they, they threw it sometimes they passed it or they, uh, they ran it sometimes, but no matter what Maryland did, they were constantly finding themselves in second and 12 second yep. and 15 second and 25. Right. You had these penalties. There sacks, what, what have you that of course, Maryland didn't have any yards. Uh, it took them a quarter <laughs> and a half until they got their first, first down. Yeah. And the only reason they got that first down was on a, a third and two. They finally got into a third and manageable situation. So it just, uh, I, I just, uh, the way the Penn state has outlined this defense this season, and they've been talking about it all year but I'm not sure that everyone or even, I don't know. Like, I'm not sure that everyone grasps exactly what they're trying to do. 
And that is very basic, right? Like people talk about, oh, Ben, but don't break, Ben, but don't break. Uh, it's not appealing anymore. And so Penn State has gotten away from it with Manny Diaz. Mm -hmm. Uh-uh. No, no, no. This is Ben, but don't break. James Franklin talked about it after the game that they're going to give up some first downs in man coverage against competent passing team. He didn't say the competent part. I did. Yeah. But I'm just <laughs> saying those are areas where, where Penn State is susceptible occasionally defensively. But right. their their entire plan of attack is, hey, we're going we're gonna to stop you. We're going to not take allow to you. you. Yeah. Correct. We're going to take it to you on first down, second down. And by the time that you get the third and long, it's already over because this defense at that point can be overly aggressive, is yeah. overly aggressive and has a ton of success doing it. So the, I guess the way I've tried to think about it is most of the time defense is reactionary. You've got to anticipate what the offense is going to do, run or pass. Let's start with that basic part and then what they're going to do in those situations. And the way this defense has operated at times is that it's so it puts so much pressure on on the offense that it dictates the turns. It is now flipping the script and saying, if we have somebody in every single gap and you don't know where we're coming from and you have to then leave in a running back and leave in a tight end, we've decided for you, you're going to have a three man route that that's happened a couple times this year. Um, if they if you decide that you're not going to do that, then you have to throw the football immediately. So you've decided it's not going to be a deep pass. Now, there have been times where that has not worked, but that is the mentality of we're going to present to you an option that isn't desirable. And if you beat it, great. But if not, uh, it, that's going to be the majority of the season so far. And that's what we've seen in these games where they have had advantages in personnel or in talent. They have absolutely shut teams down. Yeah. And and that's what happened the other day. And one of the evolutions that I was most interested in over this course of the year was that Michigan game pivot point where Penn State felt like they were out schemed. You know, they were beat on multiple levels. But one thing that had not really happened was that they were thoroughly outflanked. Maryland tried to do that scheme with Roman Hemby against Penn State and Abdul Carter in particular, but the front seven shut it down. Just no running room. Counter, pull, didn't matter. They were in their gaps. They were where they were supposed to be, and they were getting on the other side of the line of scrimmage. So that's the evolution of the defense going from there are some vulnerabilities up front to now they know what they've seen. They've got a full season in the defense, and they're not surprised by anything. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I look, they... They've evolved, right? They they have gotten better. People talk and we talk, you know, about how um, sometimes it feels as though uh, you look at a season at the beginning of the season and say to yourself, oh, well, this is what they are. This is who they are and this is how they will be. Mm -hmm. uh, all of the consternation about Kobe King and Tyler Elsden at the beginning of the season. Uh, and not that that was wrong. Jonathan yeah. Sutherland, the consternation over that, uh, like yep. the, all of the pieces that, that people looked at and including us and said, Oh, well, you know, uh, not sure, not sure how, how they're going to be. Well, they probably weren't great at the beginning of this season, but no, they've, <laughs> they've taken steps that they, they have gotten better. They've, they've made improvements. And yeah. so now 
the thing that struck me on Sunday, I, I I was prepared to talk about all of Penn State's opponents uh, being bad at offense, right? Outside of Michigan and Ohio State. I was ready mm-hmm. to have that conversation and to say, hey, you know, you, you got to keep things in perspective. Penn State's been very good defensively, but also a lot of these offenses that they've faced uh, ha- have not been great. And my own uh, supposition was wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like if if you look if you look uh, at at the majority of Penn State's opponents, they're kind of middle of the pack teams in ter- in terms of scoring, in terms of offensive. Uh, so production. you're saying not downright bad, but decent college football teams that score points. Yeah, because because you 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 have had that in the past where some of the teams that Penn State has played. I mean, I can't remember if it was last year or the year before. It all blends together at this point. But, you know, four opponents, five opponents in a in a 12-game schedule were ranked 100th or lower if for certain offensive categories or for offensive scoring. That hasn't been the case with the teams that Penn State has played this year. And so I, I do think that there is uh, credit due, credit earned for mm-hmm. Penn State's defense for being as fully effective as they have been this season. Were you were you on that note, were you surprised by the ineffectiveness of Talia Tungavaloa? Because this is this is not just a season's worth of information. This is several seasons of a guy that this is a good quarterback. Yeah. And we do this retroactive math of ah Maryland's trash. Maryland's terrible. And yeah, yeah. Penn State caught them at the right time. I, I, I want to make that clear. Yeah. Where Tungavalo is injured, he is not playing well. Um, and his decision-making in particular was abysmal uh, the last two weeks in particular. And the offensive line pass-blocking situation is not good. But that's not to say that this is a bad offense. That is it's a bad offensive line, that it's a bad... They were clearly in a disadvantaged situation. And Penn State shredded them but were you surprised because i was a little surprised that he played as poorly two weeks in a row uh in in this situation yeah i didn't i i don't think that i knew quite what to make of you know 10 of 23 i think it wisconsin uh 77 yards a touchdown uh, or an interstate like he just I, i didn't know what to make of that because it was so far yeah. from the norm for him and so far from what he's done against Penn State the past two years. He, he had a great game, certainly in 2020, or a very good game in 2020, but they threw the ball a ton last year. Like, it's not, that game ended up, obviously, you know, what, what was it? Uh, Penn State allowed 17 points, 20 points. It wasn't a huge game scoring-wise, but Maryland moved the football last yep. year in that they game. They struggled in the red zone. Was They struggled was in the, the red thing. zone. And and so, you know, yeah, for, for, for Maryland to, again, it, it just goes back to that first down success, second down success. Uh, they just, Maryland's options offensively were so limited by yep. the predicaments that they found themselves in. And once, like, once you get into that shape where you can't keep anybody off balance because you're never in second and three situations, yeah, like 
it, you know, it, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't come across as a surprise because you're, you're, like, you're never, you're never moving the chains because you're, yeah. you, it's impossible or next to impossible to get first downs under those conditions. And it's, it's not like Penn state was fully healthy themselves without Joey Porter jr. Their top uh, corner yeah. and, Ab, uh, and sorry, I almost said Abdul Carter, their top linebacker, because that's what he was on on Saturday. But Curtis Jacobs, their best linebacker, their most veteran experienced player was not on the football field and they still played like a veteran unit. And yeah. that to me, like when you consider those factors as well, uh, it's not a shock, but it is on the shocking side of things that Penn State was so good uh, on Saturday defensively. The defensive line absolutely, again, for two weeks in a row, dominated and, and made these things happen. And part of this, too, was the secondary. There were no open throwing lanes for Tali Tungavaloa. Penn State did a great job from a scheme perspective of denying him some of those passes with some zones and zone dropping and zone blitzing was a huge part of the game plan. But so was press coverage, just playing, you know, cover one and getting in the face of the 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 receivers and, and not giving them any yardage. Very few people were open throughout the game. There was one play where I thought Tungavaloa decided too early. He he wanted to avoid pressure and he missed Marquise Wilson giving up uh, an, an open catch for what had probably been 15, 20 yards. And that was, you know, going through the film, I was, that was basically oh, yeah. it. That was, you had one shot at the beginning of the game and, and it never really materialized after that. So just the thoroughness from back to front, of how well Penn State's defense played to me was was a bit, again, not shocking because we've seen it, but to to for Maryland to get nothing, to get shut out is embarrassing. Like that is not a good place for a for a competent, generally competent power five team that we can't thought coming into the season was going to be a danger to this team and was for several other teams in the Big Ten uh, throughout the season, even if they did lose those games, you know, to say Michigan. Yeah. This is the BWI Daily Edition. I'm your host, Thomas Ryan Carr. I need to remind you of a couple things. First off, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you're watching this show for the first time, we do uh, the only basically talk show five days a week, Monday through Friday, bringing you conversation about Penn State sports. We just added the Hoops uh, podcast. We're going to be doing that. So we've got six shows a week plus the live show, bluewhiteillustrated.com for all of your written content. We have all kinds of great stuff. So subscribe here for free and join over at the website for $10 and get uh, till next football season. You get inside access. And if you're listening on one of those podcast versions, please download uh, and subscribe, rate, review, Apple Podcasts, five stars. If you've watched or heard any podcast before you've heard this spiel, I apologize, but it is proven that if I remind you to please take the garbage out, you will do that. And, and that's all. I, I'm I'm sorry to be giving you another honeydew list, but I appreciate your support and all the things that we're doing. Um, I do want to talk about the offense. We need to talk about Kalen King and, and Abdul Carter, uh, but we need to get to the offense. So I, I don't want to shortchange these guys because Abdul Carter, this was his breakout game as a football player mm -hmm. where no Curtis Jacobs on the field. And he was the lead dog and he played with a maturity and a presence and a physicality that Maryland absolutely could not match. Um, I don't want to say why, but what do you think of his performance and, and what does this speak to where Penn state is going? I've, it, again, he's just more confident, right? Mm -hmm. The things that, 
the the uncertainties that naturally exist on the front half of the season for a true freshman player who has all the talent in the world and has all the skill in the world, uh, they were to be expected. But now it's a broader conversation, right? But mm-hmm. Penn State's depth in general this season, and, and it's not everywhere. It's not every position on the field, but there's so much for Penn State fans to be excited about. These guys are at the very beginning of their careers and yeah. and just and there's so much more room for them, right? Like you look at Joey Porter and you talk about a a, a first round draft pick, right? Second round draft pick. Yeah. Uh probably first round, right? I think that's what the latest projections are. Uh, okay, but then you have Johnny Dixon who's going to be around. You have Kalen King who's going to be around. Cam Miller is going to be around like, right? Like you have yep. these, these prospects, uh, Drew Shelton, like Olu Fashanu is going to be a first round draft choice, whether that's this year or next, but yeah. you like at so many of these places on the field, Curtis Jacobs, Abdul Carter, <laughs> like yep. just, there's just, there's just players behind the stars that can be, whether it's immediately or in the future stars in their own right. And I I just think that that is what James Franklin has been hinting around really, uh, you know, all season. Sure. But over the last few weeks, there, there have kind of been these pointed questions about how you've developed depth and whether or not you feel like it's paying off right now. And he's saying, yes, like, okay, granted, that's true that the the purposefulness of developing the depth is paying off. But also, there's just really good players. There's just really good <laughs> players in that depth. And yeah. it's what it's what creates, and he said this, it's what creates the differentiating factor when you get to this point in the season. It can happen at any point in the season, but particular to this time of year where everybody's got bumps and bruises, everybody's missing people, all right, what what does your team look like as is without those pieces <laughs> versus what does Penn State's team look like as yeah. is? And Penn I, State's team as is looks pretty good right now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, sorry. I just had a horror flashback to yesterday watching the Buffalo Bills defense give up the ghost because they don't. It's not the same team that they fielded last year because that's what happens in football is like, if you don't have depth and you don't have in college, you can recruit as many super talented players as you want. And Penn state has shockingly done that over the last couple of years. Um, The defensive line chop Robinson is another guy. I just want to throw in there to that conversation. Cause I Um, is does he like, does he get a mention? Yes, he played. He played very well uh, against Maryland. He did a great job. This was the thing. This was what I was hoping he was going to be. Seeing him come out of Dematha was he was a big body defensive end who had quickness and agility and looked like he could handle being 300 pounds. And it took a couple years for him to learn how to play on the interior and hold up against double teams. But that's what he was doing yesterday. Like he was having that game of quickness and beating guys with athleticism, but also holding the point of attack. So Abdul Carter can go win with quickness and athleticism and, uh, you know, not playing for the first month of the season that tested the depth, but it also gave some of those young guys a chance to play. Um, So yeah, because I, Izzard's another one. Uh, 
Amin Vanover keeps oh. showing up in a big way. So Penn State, irrespective of some of the other guys, some of the other true freshmen in um, Denied Dennis Sutton and Zane Durant, who, again, also played also. pretty well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, another group of players, but Chop Robinson to me is going to be the star of that group is the, his ability to get to the passer and, and to do so with such quickness and violence. Like you can't have enough of those guys. And, and Penn State got a gold star getting him in the transfer portal. So Penn State's defense is awesome. They're never going to yep. lose a game. They're never going <laughs> to get the eight points ever, ever again. <laughs> um, so yeah, they were really good. And we do need to talk about the offense. And again, I'm going... and they're going to be really good this week, right? Like yes. at Rutgers, they're going to they're going to look spectacular. Unless you get a tip late in the week that um, you know the entire defensive line isn't going to play, <laughs> like Joey Porter late in the week for some reason. So yeah, as long as the players that we expect to play will play, then yeah. And then even then, who knows? Because we saw them beat Rutgers without half the team last year. So yeah. it, you know, anything is possible. Let's talk about the quarterbacks because I want to end on some positive notes. So yeah, yeah. talking about the offense, but before we do, before we get into the triggering segment of the show for a lot of Penn State football fans, let's talk about something that can take the edge off for you. And that is Rogue Shop. I got to tell you, we're late in the football season. And this is something where I, I love my job. I absolutely love what I do. But at times, just like everything else, Work is work. And to get through the end of the football season, you talk about the freshman wall, right? Like freshmen hit a wall this time of year. It's because it's a lot of work over a long period of time. It doesn't matter who you are. Things like that can affect you. So if you're stressed and that stress is leading to a lack of sleep, rogueshop.com can help you. They are a holistic, all-natural, small-batch cannabis farm in Wisconsin, and they provide you with safe, effective means of a lot of different uh, ailments that you might have in your life. One of the things that they talk about is just in general, like this anxiety that we all live with. I have two 30 inch monitors to run this show. I'm staring down the barrel of a camera and I've got five lights on in the room. My brain is so overstimulated right now that it's like when you, when you, you touch the, you know, when you touch an electric wire and like you feel it. Yeah. So if you need to calm your nervous system down because you've been staring at your phone with blue lights late at night, they have a bunch of different things that you can you can take. I have uh, been very happy with their tinctures, which is something we we got um, to learn more about their products. The CBD tinctures, they help reduce inflammation. They can help with anxiety. Um, I hope she doesn't mind me saying this. My wife was having a a, a, a problem one a, a couple days ago. We we've been renovating our bathroom and she kind of went off because home improvement projects are terrible. And, uh, she had a tincture. She had a little bit of the tincture and it helped calm the anxiety down. And, uh, we able to finish and put in a brand new bathroom. So you can have all of it, Nate, you can have the whole shebang. Uh, you can do the project and keep the anxiety down. Uh, part of the anxiety was that, uh, I was not doing a great job with some of the plumbing oh, rogueshop.com. The most important thing, rogueshop.com use promo code BWI for 10% off your first purchase um, for all these great things. And the tinctures are what we talked about today. There's a bunch of different things. They've got the CBD uh, oils. They've got gummies. 
They've got uh, lollipops. They have um, some smokable things. Another thing that I think is great, if you want to quit smoking, but you need an in-between phase, they've got some hemp, which is less toxic than cigarettes. Um, and then you can use that to try to wean yourself off. But RogueShop.com, promo code BWI. You can tell them T. Frank sent you, and you can help yourself through the holiday season. Like, I know you've got kids, so sometimes dealing with the stress of the holidays, I imagine, uh, can be a bit of a thing. And dealing with the stress of a two-quarterback system, which is not what Penn State has, but it's what it feels like, Nate. Yeah. Let's get into the quarterback conversation. Yep. I, wish, I, I wish I had some of the CBD with me right now. Yeah. Uh, because it was it was an event if you were in the BWI message board in the second half of the game <laughs> against uh, against Maryland. You would have thought that the team was losing by the mm-hmm. way things were going down. Yeah. Um, I don't know where to start with this because this is just one of those like vomit out all the thoughts about it because it's the quarterbacks and it's Sean Clifford and Drew Aller. So wherever you'd like to take it off, please take it away. Yeah, uh, not that big of a deal. It's just not. Um, it and it and in the moment, I get it. I, I understand where fans are coming from. You, you, you are. Th- there's two trains of thought, right? Yep. What one is one is you, you have to win the game. I am on that train. I live on that train. Win the game. That's it. Okay. Win the take game. care of now. Take care of right now. Uh, the, the second train of thought that I am also on, uh, I, I want to see these trains paralleling each other, is when the game, uh, and slightly behind but parallel, is be aggressive about mm-hmm. what you do, h- how you operate. Um, y- you know, I talked about it with Greg after the, the game on Saturday. Uh, to, to a certain extent, yes, it, it feels like a, a missed opportunity for Drew Alar to have not been in the game, whether it's to get him two-minute drill work at the end of the yep. first half. To me, that's actually the the more... You're stealing my point. That's exactly right. Like, that's the costly loss. It's not coming yep. out to start the second half. I yeah, don't who, really care about that. Who cares about being in a game up 27 to nothing? He's done that already. Like, if you want... New. I love personally. I love new experiences. I'd love to see what Drew Aller does in a two-minute drill. Yep. You already gave Sean Clifford essentially a two-minute drill before, and then you got the ball back after a three and out. It's a bonus drive. You yep. get the ball after halftime. I, I wrote this in my, my film study of like this was the part I was annoyed by is even if he throws a pick six, Nate. Let's say the worst thing happens and he gives them points. Yeah. You get the ball back to start the next period, and you're up 20, what was it, 24 to nothing at that point. So you still will have uh, a gigantic lead with the ball back and your whole offense for the third quarter. And to me, that felt small ball. That felt like that was the opportunity to get him something real versus, again, like we said about the Indiana game, where there's no game pressure for him to feel anything the yep. whole game has been decided the the playbook is out there everyone knows what's going on yeah um yeah i i i, I agree i agree he he um anytime that you get those opportunities to to again it's just it's just this mindset right of mm-hmm. yes you can be you can protect your lead you don't have to call the game in a way that 
opens the possibility in any real way of a pick six. What what yeah. was Maryland doing defensively that suggested that they were in position to do that against Sean Clifford, right? I mean, there were interceptions that Sean Clifford was fortunate to have not thrown, I would say. Not based on anything necessarily that Maryland was doing, but just by his lack of accuracy on yeah. some of those attempts that he made. Uh don't 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 call those plays. I, I I don't know. Like I I get lost down the rabbit hole of going too far into the X's and O's realm, right? I, mm-hmm. I don't I don't I don't call the plays. I'm not the offensive coordinator and I'm not James Franklin. I don't have any like whatever you want to do is totally fine from a schematic standpoint. I, I don't have an opinion about those things. I do have an opinion about Again, if if what James Franklin says, and he has said this, is carrying forward a bold and aggressive mindset for the program as a whole. If you're going if you're gonna say that and you want that to be evident in how you do things uh schematically, right? In, yep. in the personnel that you play, you, right? Like <laughs> hiring Manny Nick's, Diaz. Right? Hi, hiring Manny Diaz. Nick Singleton being your, your starting running back from game yep. two on. Uh, th- like, th- there is evidence of this all over the place. And it- here we are talking about it, and it's going to sound like an impassioned point. It's not that big of a deal. In Drew El- <laughs> uh, Aller's, like, trajectory, his career, yeah. he will be fine. It will not crush him or stunt his growth to have not experienced that. But when I talked to Sean Clifford after the game, uh, I, I, I said, I was like, you know, Sean, can you can you t- contextualize what late game reps mean in a blowout win? Like, what what does that mean? Before he was Penn State starter, Sean Clifford in, in 2019, in 2018, Sean Clifford threw seven passes. He, there weren't that many opportunities for him I remember. to get into games, right? Like one of them, one, that one of them, Daniel George, and it was like a big, the, the longest pass in Beaver Stadium history. Yeah, like a ninety-nine yard pass. Yeah. Um some so, great reps. <laughs> so, so he he didn't have those opportunities, but he said they're they're very valuable, and and purely for the hey, this is what a game is like. Uh, yeah, you, you can try to replicate it all you want in practice. And you can try to simulate those different, you know, pressures, what have you, the things that occur during a game, but it's, it's just different. It's he said, it's like, it's just, it's a different experience. And so anytime that you get an opportunity to do that, that's a bonus. He's had that mm-hmm. for the backup quarterback to be able to get into eight games out of 10 this season is that is a tremendous feather in Penn state's cap and toward his development for next year but it's just that <laughs> yeah they 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 were not they chose not to be as aggressive as i think they could have been in that moment uh when dealing with him and get and as james franklin said afterwards there were other considerations at play in terms yeah. of how many first team reps he was going to get because you had to get the offensive line out but could. here's the thing is he said that after the game and the only player they took out was Sal Wormley. So, you know, I, I understand that like the receivers came out of the game and Parker Washington wasn't in the game and Mitchell Tinsley wasn't in the game after, uh, you know, that first drive where they go three and out. 
Yeah. But you still had Harrison Wallace, who plays during the important parts of the game. He's not a nothing football player. And you still had everyone plus Jimmy Christ on the offensive yep. line. So and, and Chris did not play poorly. He did not give up a pressure that ruined any plays. If you want to check out my full opinion of how Drew Aller played, you can check out bluewhiteillustrated.com for my film analysis, which came out earlier today. And spoiler alert, the whole context of this, Nate, is that uh, he also just didn't play well. He didn't he didn't have a good game. Yeah, I, I saw the critiques as putting him in the game, but not allowing him to throw it. He threw six passes on 13. Like he was in the game yeah. for 13 offensive plays. He threw six passes. I, yeah. Like I didn't, I didn't think it was some wild imbalance of, Oh, well, you know, he, he was in the game for 20 plays and they threw the ball once. It wasn't yeah. and I, It was he just was the, not... the weather stunk. It was like, yeah. it was lame at that point. I, you know, it's just, it, it feels like, um, nitpicking to the this this ultimate degree, but I do think that there is an underlying point to be made of yep. hey, you've acknowledged this in the past as being something that has uh, hindered you to a certain extent. Like it it, it burnt them in 2021. We know this. Yep. Uh, okay, here you are. Yes, argument. Plenty of arguments to be made of preserving the win like all all of that has value but when you're in this middle ground of hey which which way do you go i think that certainly penn state fans and james franklin himself the way that he has spoken in the past about it you want to edge towards the aggressive side and yeah. i don't think that that came to fruition in the decisions that they made on yeah. saturday night the the other part of this that is always frustrating is that Sean Clifford didn't make it easy on anybody. Like he just didn't make it easy by playing uh, not even a great game, just a, just a fine game. He was slightly below average when you consider everything going on. And again, everything going on blue white illustrated.com. Check out the film study because it wasn't just Clifford that had a bad day. In my opinion, I think that Maryland did a good job with their scheme. What they do is they keep a lid on things. So, Outside of, you know, when they're when Penn State's running the ball in the first quarter, and they have 100 yards rushing through the first quarter. Maryland reacted to that. They brought a safety down. Penn State, their plan clearly was to then go over the top. And then Maryland, after they almost got beat twice, that was over. You know, yep. you can have whatever rushing you want. We are going to stop the, the run with our defensive line, which eventually happened in the game. And we're going to keep a lid on it with two high safeties, cover four, cover two, do a bunch of things to frustrate you and, you know, throw in the occasional blitz. So Sean Clifford, and this is the part I'm wondering, did you ask him at all about how he was feeling post game? Because the very first throw, he gets a helmet put in his hip and then yeah. he was wildly erratic after that. And I don't know because he can be wildly erratic when he's healthy, yeah. but that was a context that I think we all just decided to forget was that he was hit pretty hard in a really important area to throwing and throwing accuracy. And, you know, I don't know what effect that had in the game, but clearly where he had taken steps as a deep ball passer, those were all gone on Saturday. Yeah. So that's another thing out there in the ether. That's the unknowable to me in this game. Yeah. He, I, he did not. I mean, he said he was a happy guy. <laughs> so I, don't, 
don't know. Uh, <laughs> the NIL know company must health. be doing great. <laughs> uh, you, you know, he talked to, uh, it, it's so funny because for all of the flack that he gets, uh, he, he is the exemplification of the type of guy, the type of student athlete, et cetera, et cetera, that Penn State fans claim to love. Right. Like his, his maturity, his perspective, like all of those things, uh, just, just watch him. What, like watch the post-game interview, watch, watch the things that he talks about, uh, how much pride he takes in the development of the younger guys in the room. Like, like he sees that as this great opportunity. He's, he's embraced that. This is like a different segment, but College football teams are uh, separated, right? Like there are a lot of old guys, seniors that don't like, they don't interact with freshmen. That's not mm-hmm. a thing. Uh, they, they don't talk to sophomores. Right? <laughs> like, uh, that is not Sean Clifford. Sean Clifford mm-hmm. has had this great impact. Everybody talks about it, about how like, I mean, even Christian Veyer has, has spoken about it, that he is different from other locker rooms that these guys have experienced through their careers. Uh, and so it, it just, it's, it's always very interesting to me because I just, I don't think, um, I don't think enough is made of that impact that mm-hmm. he has had at Penn State understanding all of the frustrating things that he does on the field that upset yeah. people. Uh, it's just, it's just that, that subtext that sometimes I think get, gets, uh, gets missed with him. Yeah. And it's also, you know, when people, <laughs> when people say like, why is he still starting? You can point to these things that you can't see, right? Like we've chronicled them over the years of very smart football, smart, good leader, good in the weight room, all the blah, 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 blah. None of them show up to fans who, who watch the game and whose perception of Penn State football and James Franklin is entirely built on what they see for those 60 minutes of game action each Saturday. They're well, not, they're not, you know, seeing these other things and nor do they need to, right? Like it, no, but also to the fans credit and to the fans point c- complete the deep pass that you, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> right. Just, I mean, even once in a while, uh, it, it, you know, everybody understands that the like the home run ball isn't something that has necessarily a high percentage. Nobody does that yeah. at a eighty percent rate. Like that's not yeah. realistic. Or get it, it on just, the frame, right? So like, make it a make the ref go to his pocket and and think about the flag if there's contact. And none of that, none of that happened. You know, and here's the thing. It, it's it, I think in my postgame analysis, I was um, it was obscured for me because Penn State was still moving the football and scoring points during that time. So his inability to do that and to get points for the team early and to get touchdowns for the team early, especially um, was mitigated by Nick Singleton and how he yeah. played in the game. Yep. And then when that dried up, partly because the game was over and partly because uh, Maryland's game plan took over. Then you just were left with this very 
dry, like crackers at the party that you forgot to put away from the night before sort of second half. Yeah. Um, and, and that get, left get, get out of there. Like that was the deal. Right. Well, it's just right. Go, it's warm inside, you know, go <laughs> enjoy that. <laughs> go Are you going to get warm. that? <laughs> no, it's okay. I'm just, all right. Anyway. So let's talk about the thing that we need to talk about because this is, uh, you know, what I just said is because of what Nick Singleton was doing and what Nick, Nick Singleton was doing to me was having his coming out party, his yep. breakout game of this year. Ohio, Auburn, I don't care about that right now. What he did on Saturday was he played running back better than he's played running back the entire season. Yep. And that, if that continues, means that he's going to average 11 yards a carry for the rest of the season. Um, you wrote about some of the things he talked about post-game. Yep. So what did he have to say about his performance? Well, you know, it's their their Penn State doesn't open the freshman, the true freshman right. to the media. And so it's it's like um it's like uh you know a re-education camp, right? So they they come out and it's like, hey, you know, uh Nick, like what what stood out to you about t- today's game? My offensive line was so great. I love them. I love the tight ends and I love the receivers <laughs> for blocking. It's not about me. It's about my teammates. Like it's just like, and, right. which is, which is Nick, <laughs> which is Nick anyway. But yeah, uh, it, it's just, it's just, it's just funny um, because he had a great game. Like he played, yep. played really well. Um, I, I thought that the stat that stood out to me looking through his, the, right? Like the flow chart of his actual runs is it took until his next to last carry of the game for him to have a run of negative yardage, yeah. Uh, which I don't think he could say otherwise this season, right? And it, you know, even that it's a one yard loss, but like that has been one of the central things to understand about him to this point in the season is that he, he's a guy who has gotten bottled up in the backfield quite a bit. Yeah. Um, you know, and then offsets that with these, you know, sparkling home runs. No, not, not on Saturday. On yeah. Saturday, he was taking a three yard loss and turning it into a three yard gain, taking yep. a three yard gain, turning it into a 10 yard gain, taking a 10 yard gain, turning it into a 45 yard touchdown. Um, and so that, that to me, it kind of, and I think that you and I are on the same page on this. It just, it clicked of, Hey, here's, here's a guy who is learning how to play running back at, at yeah. this level uh, and be effective at it. Uh, and in fact, he actually said it after the game in, in that uh, post-game interview that he did with uh, Penn State's in-house Brian Tripp. Um, yeah. you know, was, Can I read uh, it? Yeah, go ahead. I, I, I want to read it because I thought this, this is exactly what I saw during the game, and this is something that I think is important that differentiates what happened early in the season versus now a lot of his touchdowns were set up, right? So they were, they were, it was all he had to do is run really fast in a straight line. He said here, I'm being more patient out of the backfield, especially our line making the blocks at first in the beginning, I just saw a hole and just ran. So I had to be more patient and just make the right cuts. Yep. His vision and not just the right cuts and not being ju- just being patient the anticipation of what's going to happen when you do those things. So he's setting up his blocks. Now he is seeing the cutback lane instead of what one of the, one of the plays I highlighted was it was a sweep play where they're, they're trying to hit the outside. 
And Nick Singleton in high school would have outrun everybody and got followed where he's supposed to go, outrun everybody, run over a dude, gotten a touchdown. Nick Singleton at the beginning of this year would try to do that and be tackled for two yards, maybe, you know, yep. four yards. This time he sees the defense is, is there seems being created by the pulling. And so he hits it back up inside. He hits a cutback lane and he gets 15 yards down to like the four yard line. That is what we're talking about of his speed and the threat of the play, creating another opportunity and taking that cutback lane. His first run of the game was a cutback where yeah. he gained 10 yards and ran over two dudes. So the whole thing is coming together for him. Yeah, no, I, I, very much agree it, it and we talked about this a little bit before the show but i understood where penn state fans were in in seeing katron allen as the more consistent presence mm-hmm. of the two of them in the middle of the season and and even coming into this game right it, it's just like Katron Allen is just like these steady doses of five, six, six yards. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Right. Like it's just, he, he's so consistent at that. Uh, And it, it appears to me, and this isn't just this game. It it feels to me as though this goes back to really Minnesota where Nick Singleton has kind of steadily added this to his repertoire of, uh, you know, and I, I don't want to say not being afraid of contact because I don't think he necessarily was on the front end of this, yeah. but just inviting it and run, <laughs> running, yeah, running with that. Uh, you know, he, he's he's willing to take what is being given to him and is going to fall forward and eke out an extra three yards on top of whatever it is that has been given to him in the first place. Yeah. So I just, yeah, I mean, I. Very clearly, Penn State has something special in their running backs room with yeah. both of those guys. Both of those guys have an opportunity uh, to to really, I think, propel Penn State's offense forward. And you've already seen it so far this season. The A couple of things stood out to me, too, is I thought I don't think this is a, a necessarily an important difference, but it changes the way I view him as a player going forward is. His running style, especially early in the season where where he was talking about just hitting the hole as fast as he could, when he gets in the open field, he's got a really upright running style, right? He's 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 a track athlete when he gets out in the open space, but he was being a track athlete between the tackles like he was trying to hit a home run the minute he got the football and the the body lean and the ability to sit a little lower in his hips and make those cuts makes a world of difference. Like one of the yeah. things I know that I've said, that's probably out outside the realm of what everyone else would think about Nick Singleton is if he's going to run upright like that, he needs to be 240 pounds. Like he needs to be able to break tackles with that upright stride. So being 235, gaining that muscle mass, I, doesn't need to do that. Like if he runs like the way he did against uh, Maryland for the future, he's perfectly fine the way he is. I still think he's going to get bigger. But he's, as you've called him before, uncommonly strong. He's got that, you know, pound for pound sort of punching above his weight uh, ability. And it was unlocked by learning how to play football. And that fun to me, like there's a fundamental shift in if that's the athlete he's going to be, as long as he learns how to catch, (laughs) he's going to be one of the most complete running backs that Penn State's seen in a very long time 
we'll let the ranking happen as it happens. Yeah, it's it's just I'm sitting here smiling because I think back to look, we see 20 minutes of practice, but I end up gravitating toward the running backs anyway. A lot of practices and mm-hmm. I'm it's like, oh, like those are all things that we've watched Jaywan Sider very specifically instruct Nick Singleton to do and how to do it. And uh, right. That yeah. like you're talking about uh, dr- drawing in defenders and setting up his cuts and, and like all of those things are the things that we watch them do at practice. And, the, you know, predictably they're taking hold. He's, yeah. he's had this opportunity to play and, and, you know, has steadily gotten better and better. And I think he's got this world of potential moving forward. That's what I, so I asked Parker Washington a couple weeks ago, like how hard is it to just download all the information you need? Because you can have, you can have so much talent as a football player and it like, you just can't learn all the things that you need to know to unlock it right away. It takes an uncommon athlete to be able to just overcome those things and be good out of the box or be so instinctive that all that stuff just intrinsically makes sense. So you can translate it very quickly. Yeah, the, the the fact that Singleton was able to be, you know, one of the starters so early in the season, he was that athlete. Now he's that athlete and he's that mind. You know, Parker Washington talked about how he's always learning things about routes. He's always learning how to tweak and to grow his game. And when you're at the very start of that, it's just hard to get all of it down right away. And this is what learning looks like. You're not an expert at something when you hear it twice, despite how much I want to be that. You know, like I never want to, yeah. I never like going through the learning phase, right? Where you suck at something. I hate that part. So I don't learn new skills like the plumbing in the, in the, uh, the plumbing in the bathroom isn't complete yet. Cause I don't know how to do that yet. Well, it's, it's not that you're not able to do what's being instructed. It's that it happens so fast. It, yeah. it, everything is so fast in this game. Everything that, right. It, these are. Boom, boom. Like it's just, it is so fast. The decision-making, the technique, like putting all of that together and creating an instinct for it is the process. That is the process. Uh, And so it may take weeks and months to where it becomes second nature to to have that thought, to implement it as quickly as it needs to happen, uh, to have that success. And I, I, again, like, I just, I think that you can see it. Not, it's not just Nick Singleton. It's not just Kate John Allen. Like it's all over the field. We're yeah. seeing these movements, decisions becoming instinctive. I mean, look at the guys we talked about on the defensive side of the ball, Abdul Carter, chop Robinson, both these guys have been playing all year long and you see the different level they're playing at now as to where they were before, because you just, it takes time. You know, the whole James Franklin always says everyone's got their own clock and it can't always be right away. That makes sense. When you consider you have to know what you're supposed to do, what the offense is trying to do to you or what the defense is trying to do to you. And you got to learn your own offense and your positional skills. Like there's just so much in football, so much. And so much that the other team is also doing. Yep. Right. <laughs> like there's so much that can come at you that having the ability to say, oh, yeah, I know what that is. Yeah. It takes time. 
it, it's we, a it's a it's a process. And and again, like going back to Sean Clifford, and I'll kill it <laughs> on this. You beat me to like, it. That's that's the asset. That's the asset. Yeah. Is like there's not anything that you can do that he hasn't seen before. And I understand the conversation that we can have about what happens pre-snap and what happens post-snap. I get all of that, but that, that is an edge. That is a thing that you can have. That is a, a real set. James Franklin talked about it after the game on Saturday, uh, the t- this T formation, and you, you do so much better of a job uh, explaining it and understanding it than I can, but it's like, hey, uh, you know, yes, the, there are things that we're doing out of it that really put teams on their he- heels, but also it's great to have a quarterback that, can check us into the right thing that knows yep. what he's looking at and can it just weaponize that. Uh, and that's why they've had some of that success that they have. Which brings me back to Drew Aller. And the point I made earlier, and I just want to reinforce this part, is that he didn't play well and it's okay that he didn't play well. In fact, it's probably a good thing he didn't play well so that there's not some inflated or false sense of, oh, football's easy, huh? Like yeah, yeah. the point of having him play now and play in garbage time is that he can play bad and it doesn't hurt you and he can learn from that. You know, unfortunately, a lot of us learn through embarrassment. I learned through embarrassment. I learned through the pain of failure. And most great football players also do that. It's the fear of that that motivates you. So, Drew Aller not playing well is an okay thing to happen. He can go out and play poorly the next two games if he gets in, and it's still unbelievably valuable that he's, you know, seeing these things he's doing wrong when he sees a blitz that he doesn't need to throw off his back foot, that he, you know, stays in the pocket, in the parameters of the pocket, not just, you know, left to right. All those things are learning moments when you do it wrong, and then it can be corrected. Um, so that I guess is, is that, and just enjoy the ride are my final thoughts. That's been my main theme coming from the game is that just enjoy the ride because I think that we're all so interested myself included in a lot of the parts of our life to get to the result we want that we do miss the journey and, uh, you know, not to be too Lord of the Rings, but enjoy the journey because it's a long one. Yeah. No, this, I mean, this has been a compelling season for Penn state football, right? I mean, just to, to win two out of the first three on the road uh, is that's a thing. That's, mm-hmm. that's, that's a good thing for the players that will continue to be in the program at Penn state moving forward. You know what? And, and nobody liked it. I understand where the fans are on this getting your teeth kicked in at Michigan probably isn't that bad. Like it, it might end up being a pretty good thing for you moving forward to understand, Hey, this is what it is. Yeah. Right. Like this, like th- these are all these experiences. And if, and if you can manage to, to quell that fandom side of just win all the time and can appreciate the process that it takes to get there, it feels to me as though there is a payoff, right? Yeah. Like there's a payoff at the end of this. Uh, and they still have games to go. There's still there's still things that need to play themselves out. But you know, so far, uh, uh, a a building block type of year for the Penn State football program. Look at us. We're like an after school special. We come in just under an the hour. More and you we, know, and we have a teachable uh, 
moral morality thing to take away from learning in the journey and all that stuff look at us that was great yeah t frank it's good it's good that we're recording this because the comments right now are you idiots you're so stupid <laughs> well you're i am so stupid worst. because i forgot to put the wrong bug back on the screen so you uh, know there's another learning moment for me me and drew aller learning this week that'll do it today for the bwi day. daily edition nate bauer thanks man i appreciate this thanks so much for having me buddy We'll be back tomorrow with the recruiting show. Make sure you subscribe to Blue White Illustrated here on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be back tomorrow.